you want to return your Bible with me, we're going to be going out of the passage this morning of John 12, verses 1 through 8. John 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom, he ra- whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that you may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. I am always, like, I read certain stories in the Bible, and I try and imagine them happening in, like, our time today. I try and put myself into the story and just trying to paint this picture. Here's a guy who was dead for four days in a tomb, hanging out with Jesus, and then a woman brings out perfume that costs a year's wages. So everything you'd make in a whole year, she pulls this thing out and then begins to pour it on Jesus and then pulls out her hair, which was uncommon at the time, reaches down and starts to clean his filthy feet. They didn't have closed-toed shoes, man. They had sandals. They're walking through streets where people are throwing who knows what into them. And they're tracking all that in. And her response was, here's a year's wages. Let me wipe that off with my feet. Let me wipe that off with my hair on your feet. Sorry. It's amazing to me to think about that imagery. And then here's Judas watching this, having walked with Jesus. And then he thinks to himself, I'm going to say something about the poor. And like, we shouldn't be doing this. We should do it for the poor. And I have a nefarious reason, motive in my heart, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going I'm to find a workaround that sounds godly so I can get what I want. It's a crazy image of, of just extravagant love and absolute obsession with the world. And both are happening at the exact same time. It's wild to me. Last week, Pastor Rachel challenged us all to fast and pray, to press in, to lay something down and, and, and to press into the Spirit of God, Believe, praying for the Tanzania missions team, fasting something in anticipation for altar revival. It's amazing. And, and something changes in us when we lay something down, when we fast, when we say yes to Jesus. Something changes in us. It shifts us around. It's really amazing, but what happens when we don't fast, when we don't pray, when we don't press in? We always talk about the benefit of doing it, but sometimes there's a cost associated with not obeying. Sometimes there's a cost associated with saying, I'm not going to fast, I'm not going to pray, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to go my whole life as a Christian, never participating in that side of Christianity. There can be a cost associated A couple years back, I had the opportunity to be a camp counselor. 
got to go out and serve the youth of this great state of Ohio at Heartland. If you haven't ever gone, it's a blast. I encourage you to volunteer. It's amazing. We're seeing God move. You know, a girl's knee got healed. It was awesome. Could barely walk, stands up, totally touched the name of Jesus. It was so cool. People are getting touched. God's speaking. Students are giving their lives back to Jesus. It's a blast. And there was this one woman there, and, you know, she had a boot on because she had one leg shorter than the other. It was like 10 inches. I mean, huge difference. And I saw her on Monday, and I thought to myself, oh, it'd be so awesome if God healed her. And I saw her on Tuesday, and I thought, it'd be so awesome if God healed her. We got to Wednesday, I'm like, man, it'd be so great if her foot grew out, and then, like, it'd be so cool, and then the students would see it, and then they'd have this testimony. This is great. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, should I pray for her? And he says, yeah, go pray for her. I'm like, okay, but Lord, if I get over there, something has to happen, or else I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah, go pray for her. Father, you know, I'm really nervous about this. I don't know. Go pray for her. Just kept saying it over and over again. So I grab, you know, two or three other individuals, and we go over, we start praying for this girl, and I kid you not, within two seconds of laying my hands on her leg, I knew nothing was going to happen. So now I'm in this moment, and I'm totally aware that nothing is going to happen. And immediately I feel like an idiot. Why am I over here? And I'm questioning God. Why did you send me over here? What in the world is going on? And I'm praying for two minutes just so I feel less awkward. And after two minutes, I don't say a word. I just stand up and walk away. And immediately I start tell telling God, what is, what's going on? Why would you do this to me? I feel like a moron. I have no idea why I just did that. What is this all about? And I just go on and on and on for ten minutes. I'm not listening for the Lord's response. I'm just angry. And I'm sitting in my chair pouting. And then the Lord asks me a question. He says, Ethan, if I would have asked you to fast for a week to see her leg grow out, would you have done it? When he said the word fast to me, he wasn't talking about food. He was talking about all my creature comforts. Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, video games, social media, all the things that make life just a little bit less stressful. Would you have laid that down for a week to see her foot grow all, out, all the way out 10 inches? I answered back, Lord, of course I would have. Are you kidding me? To see her leg grow out 10 inches fast a week? Sure. And they said, Ethan, how about a whole month? Would you have fasted for a month? Lord, I, I think I would have. How about a year? Lord, I don't, I don't know if I would have fasted a year. How about your whole life, he asked. Lord, I wouldn't have fasted my whole life. And at this point, I am in a puddle on the ground because the Lord is showing me a huge difference between what he's asking and where I'm at. And he said, Ethan, that's the difference. I love her so much, I gave everything. And you won't lay down your creature comforts for her sake. I gave up everything for her. At this point, man, I'm, I am weeping. I am wailing on the ground. Because I realized that it's not 
that I am not where I should be. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, if you would have been fasting like I told you to six months ago, this moment could have been different. Man. Now that poor girl is in pain. And she has to wrestle with all the questions of someone was willing to ask, and what does that mean for me? And I caused it. Me and my, I want to see God move like this. I want to see something cool. My motives not being right, willing to, to seek after the awesome expression of God, but not willing to lay down my life for him. Man, I'm broken on the floor. I mean, I'm louder than everyone worshiping around me. I'm crying so loud. And I said, Lord, I'm crushed. You've shattered me. Please send someone to give me encouragement. And he said, no one is coming. I'm disciplining you. For 20 minutes, I wailed. For 20 minutes, no one came. God had to shatter something in me so he could shift me into something better. He loves us like that. So here I am on the floor. And he said, Ethan, you've been praying for almost a decade to see the things in your life that you read about in the Bible. But Ethan, you want, and he said, you want on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said to me, but if you want on earth as it is in heaven, heaven has to be all you're living for. If you want on earth as it is in heaven, heaven has to be all you're living for. Reminds you of something Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Where was his father? Heaven. It's a different way to live. And the Lord just really pressed me, and he said, Ethan, I just, he's like, are you ever going to do, are you ever going to lay down where I told you to lay down, or do I need to find someone else? And now I'm just begging, please don't leave. Please don't find someone else. Oh, God, please, I'm sorry. Whatever you need, what do you need from me? What do you need? I'm sorry. God told me to go pray to teach me something about me. Because there was a part of me that needed to be shattered so that I could be shifted into a new way of living. I walked out of that moment Scared, hurt, broken, didn't want to pray for nobody. <laughs> they call leaders forward, and they're like, okay, time to pray for the students. And I'm thinking, okay, find anybody but me. <laughs> but the Lord has a way of challenging us differently. In Hosea, it says, the Lord has injured us, but come, let us return to him. He will bind our wounds. He's a really good, really great dad. And we stand up there at the altar, and, pe and students start coming. And I'll never forget that night. We just sat there in the presence of Jesus and watched the Lord dismantle the works of the enemy repeatedly. Repeatedly. One young woman in particular, she was hiding behind the rest of the group. Just hiding back. And I remember standing up there and hearing the Lord say to me, she didn't come forward for prayer, she said, she's battling depression. No one knows. And so after we had finished praying, I like peered up over everyone else because she was real short and said, hey, can we pray for you? <laughs> and she kind of comes forward real, real sheepish, man. I mean, head down. This is her body posture every second. 
okay. I remember hearing the Lord speak and me answering back. Your private battle with depression today becomes a public victory today in the name of Jesus. And immediately she begins wailing uncontrollably. It turned out that she had been battling demonic oppression for years and was so scared of what was happening to her privately, she didn't know how to communicate it publicly. And in this moment, Jesus began to call out all of the fight that she was dealing with in her own life and began to shift her into a place of health and transformation. In 15 minutes, she went from totally depressed and timid and shy to beaming from ear to ear, loving everyone around her. Jesus did something. He showed up just because he loves people, because he's awesome. And all of those amazing moments, I still had to walk out of that place and live with what God had said to me. And yes, he showed me that he still loves me, and he still will work with me and talk to me and move through me because he's kind. But I was still left with all of the challenge of what he had said just an hour prior. It's very easy to get caught up in a moment and then think that we don't have to do the labor of what he said previously to walk away from a moment with Jesus. But when you do the work and you sit in the moment with God and you say, okay, Father, you said this, what do we need to do? Something changes within you. Something powerful, something radical. It shifts. When we walk with God on his terms, not ours, all of a sudden God can pour into us in a way that's very different. He can do a work in us that's very different, but it requires us to let go of something. It requires us to let go of something. I want us to take a minute. Jeff, if you could come and play. To go back and look at that story again from John chapter 12. In the story, we have Jesus and we have Lazarus, and they're there. And Jesus is teaching something along the way about, this is for my burial, let her do what she's doing, this is in honor of me. And he's there to guide the spiritual moment. But we have two characters who play very different roles. You've got Mary, and you've got Judas. In this story, Mary made a decision that she loved Jesus so stinking much She'd give anything. Judas didn't. So what was the difference in their heart? What drove them? What was the difference between Mary and Judas? Mary looked at her temporary and she poured it out for the eternal. Judas walked alongside the eternal. And chose the temporary instead. Mary held in her hand the temporary. And she looked at Jesus and something happened in her. And as she looked at the Son of God, she said, Oh, I want him. 
I don't need this temporary thing. I need Jesus. He can have everything. He can have all of me. This is likely the most single valuable possession in her whole life. It's worth a year's wages. What do you make in a year? Think about it. Get the figure in your mind. She was compelled. She saw Jesus and she was compelled. See, something happens in us when we shift into the place of asking God, I want more of you. An exchange begins to happen where all of a sudden God's like, okay, awesome. I want to give you more every time. There's never a moment where Jesus says no. Never. But almost every time he says something, he's asking you, well, what are you going to give up? God's kingdom is eternal, not temporary. His kingdom is eternal, not temporary. For far too long, the church has been in a place where we've let the devil lie to us and deceive us and trick us into believing that we are supposed to set our eyes and our purpose on the temporary. We are meant to live in this life as aliens and foreigners, and we are meant to go out into the world and live for the eternal purpose of God. But when you start asking the Lord, Lord, I want more of you. How do I get closer to you? I guarantee almost every time he's going to start saying, where's your alabaster jar? And there's something that happens in our hearts. Some of us, when God says that, we won't even look at it. We go, I don't touch that. I need that thing. I need that to make the temporary work for me. Some of us pick it up. And we feel the weight of it and its familiarity. And we go, I, I don't know how my life's going to work without this. This is, my, this is my backup plan, man. This is my what if. This is my when the day is too hard. Some of us begin pouring and then it costs too much. We put it back down and we look at what we gave, but we know it's not everything and we're trying. But what would happen if we shifted ourselves to have the heart like Mary? That when we look at the Son of God and we look at what we have that's temporary, we say, Lord Jesus, take it. Just take it. Can you imagine being here watching it pour out? That's a week. That's a month. That's six months' wages. And the aroma begins filling the room because somebody in the room made the decision, I want the eternal living God more than I want my temporary comfort. What would happen if we became people that said, Lord, take it all? I don't want the temporary Jesus. I want you. I want the eternal. I want the living God. I want the one who came down from heaven to die for me. What would happen? As I stand up here now, I can smell the olive oil. It just spreads out all over. But you probably can't smell it in the back row. Radiant Life Church, what would take place in you, in this body, in this city, in this region, if all of a sudden everyone who walked into the sanctuary said, I've been pouring out my oil? Can you smell the aroma in the whole place? Everywhere you go, the Spirit of God has another heart that says, I'm captive by the Lord and I love it.
there's a difference when unity hits a place. When there's a unified decision that says, I'm going to lay down any temporary thing because I want the reality of the eternal more than anything this world can offer me. I see Jesus and I love him. I want more of him and less of me. I don't need anything this world has to offer. I want God. I want God. It costs. It costs something. For some of you, it's money. It's a monetary thing, just like Mary. For some of you, it's, it's creature comfort, man, like it was for me. For some of you, it's sin. For others, it can just be fear. Pour out your temporary. There's an eternal king in heaven who loves you. Pour out your temporary. Let the aroma fill the room. When you walk into work, let the aroma fill the room. A heart that's poured the temporary out. Because there's something amazing about an empty vessel. All of a sudden, when it gets totally empty, something else can come and fill it. I learned that night when I was broken that I didn't need to convince God to do something. I didn't need to pray hard enough, will him to do something, convince him. I learned that he's really loving and really awesome. And ministering out of the place of not really knowing how much he's worth wasn't okay. So when we look at that story in John chapter 12, Who are you? Are you Mary? Saying, Lord, take all my temporary. I don't need it. I just want you. Or are you Judas? Too caught up in the things of the world to realize that Jesus is offering to live his whole life to give you everything. That you can walk every day with the Son of God that you can encounter his presence, that you can be a witness at work, that you can minister to your family and your loved ones. Radiant Life Church, I have watched Pastors Chris and Rachel cry out in staff meetings for a move of God. I've been in their home when they've already put in a 12-hour day and they say, but we need to love people more. I've watched them say, I am pouring out everything I've got, man, and I, I just want all of Jesus. And their life reflects it. I want to move of God more than anything. My body aches for it. The staff's heart aches for it. Your leader's heart aches for it. But there's a shift that has to take place.
because the aroma can't be just right here. It has to fill the whole house. So what's your alabaster jar? What's the thing that you cling to that gives you assurance? What brings you comfort when the only thing that should be able to fill that space is Jesus? Last week, Pastor Rachel challenged us to fast and pray for the missions team in Tanzania and for altar revival next week. We're a week away. <laughs> if you've been fasting and praying and pressing into the throne room of God, I honor you in Jesus' name. But if you've been waiting, I encourage you today. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. I don't care what you did 12 minutes before you walked in this place. The Hebrew meaning of his mercies are new every morning. If you break down the Hebrew, it's not just that he extends to you the same mercy. It's like God wakes up today and says, I'm going to forge a brand new mercy just for today. He creates mercy for today. So if you woke up, God is saying, come closer, get more, find more of me. Lay down the temporary and take up the eternal. The king of heaven died for us. The one who created all the universe, the one who breathes out stars for his glory, he formed us in our mother's womb. That's who we're pouring out this temporary life to. Therefore, offer your body as living sacrifices. I'm giving you all my temporary because I want all of your eternal. I just want to give an opportunity for response today. If you're out there listening and you would say to yourself, the conviction of God is on me. I've been living far too much for the temporary and I need to step over into the place where I look at the eternal king that Jesus is and I say, take it all. If that's you and you feel a pull in your spirit and you know the Lord is drawing you to lay down your alabaster box, find a place at the altar and lay it down. You don't have to wait for me to stop. You can go whenever. There's a shift that took place in my life when I chose to lay down my alabaster box. A transformation that took place. Where all of a sudden, I wasn't trying to minister to show how, how far I had come or to love the Lord well enough or to prove anything. 
I was just helping. I shouldn't even say helping. I was just hanging out with people as we all encountered the love of God together. And the miraculous began to flow. I don't spend time with Jesus or fast or pray because I want another miracle. The greatest miracle is heaven and salvation. It's always going to be, and it's already figured out all of eternity for us. I spend time with Jesus because I love him. (laughs) Mary and Judas had different levels of love for Jesus. Don't let the temporary twist your heart any longer. Pour it out on Jesus' feet. Choose the eternal. He's worth it. He's worth it. Abba, Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every life. I thank you for all the work prepared in advance for them to do. Jesus, I thank you so much for your loving kindness. God, I ask right now that you would bring to the forefront of our mind and heart the things that we withhold from you. would you put strength on every one of those individuals to lay them down at your feet, to pour them out upon you and to choose you, God. Lord, you're worth it. Your love is so worth it. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We thank you that you overcame the grave for us. Minister to our hearts this week. Draw us even closer. Give us strength to lay down whatever you'd put on our heart. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the blessing they are of the body of Christ. Be with them, Father. In your name, Jesus. Radiant Life Church, it has been a pleasure to minister to you all today. I love you all. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. God bless you.